Years ago, I used to have a group of friends, and we always did the same thing every day in the same way. And then one day, one of the guys of the group invited somebody else into that group, and because of that, we all started doing different things. And it took a while for us to readjust to new routines, but at the end of the day, we realized that it was a good thing that we did. Well, today we're going to be going over Acts chapter 10. And in that chapter, we meet a character named Peter who had to readjust the way that he understood God because of the new people who are coming into the movement. of Acts, which we started, I think, about a year ago, you'll discover that the main characters of this book are Peter and Paul, both of who used to be a part of this religion called Judaism. They were raised in a Jewish culture where their scripture, which we now call the Old Testament, taught them that they had exclusivity to God. And they believed that they were God's chosen people and that their job was to make sure that it stayed that way. This means they had to do everything they can to stay pure Jews, which means they needed to stay away from anything that may dilute their Jewishness. Anyways, in today's passage we're reading, Acts chapter 10, Jesus entrusts to Peter this new movement called the church. But Peter and his buddies had a difficult time imagining what church should look like, especially when one of their core beliefs was that God is now for everyone, not just Jews, but everyone, regardless of their nationality, race, gender, socioeconomic statuses, political affiliations, sexuality, and their past mistakes. I mean, it's open invitation for all people. In the past, you had a divinely inspired rule book that made sure that people who aren't like you would stay out, but now they're with you and calling you brother or sister. So in the first third of the book of Acts, we see God deconstructing, chipping away at these assumptions that people like Peter and Paul had. Like for example, Peter, he's forced to go to a place called Samaria where no good Jewish boy should go because that's where the ethnically compromised people lived. I mean, these people were known for forfeiting their exclusivity to God because they were considered unclean and impure. And then we meet this guy named Paul who thought he was doing God a favor by arresting these group of people called Christians for allowing non-Jews into their communities. But on one of his crusades, he is struck blind by the resurrected Jesus. And when he regains his sight, he has a new outlook on what God really wants for this world. Now, out of these two main characters of Acts, we're talking about Paul and Peter. Paul had a fairly quick conversion. I mean, he learned his lessons and switched gears almost overnight. He went from hunting down Jesus followers with the use of violence to never using violence again. Even in self-defense, he wouldn't use violence, vowing only to love all people of all nations. But Peter, boy, he took a little bit longer than him. Ten years after the resurrection of Jesus, he is still struggling with letting go of his old ways. I mean, to his credit, he knows in his brain that all people are invited to join the movement of God, but he's having major issues letting go of his safety blanket called Judaism. So in today's passage, Acts chapter 10, we're going to read about the day that Peter finally let go of his Old Testament and how awkward it was for him. Okay, now before we begin Peter's story, I just want to say this. This isn't a terribly long story, but it's too long to fit in a sermon. And if I were to break this sermon into two parts, we might miss the overarching story. So to save time, I'm going to be summarizing parts of the story, but every part of it is really, really good. So on your free time, make sure you read through Acts chapter 10 on your own. Okay, without further delay, here's the story about the day that changed Peter's understanding of God like forever. 
So this story begins with a man named Cornelius who is a Roman centurion in a town called Caesarea. Now he's a very interesting Roman because he kept an eye on the Jews because he was enamored by their God and wanted to join in the movement of worshiping God and blessing the world. But he knew that he was not allowed to because he's a Roman, which were the enemies of the Jews. I mean, at that time in history, the Roman Empire oppressed the entire nation of Israel. So there was no way that Cornelius was going to be allowed to be a Jew. But I love this. Cornelius, knowing that he would never be accepted by the Jews, he decided that it wasn't going to stop him. So he spent his time praying and revering God and generously giving away his money to those around him who were in need. And one afternoon, God sent an angel to Cornelius and told him to talk to a guy named Peter. Okay, now cut to Peter. Around that same time, Peter is in a place called Joppa, which is about 35 miles south. He's hungry and he's relaxing and he's praying on the roof of his or his friend's house. And he eventually falls asleep and has this weird dream. This is what his dream looked like. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Now keep in mind, according to the Old Testament, a good Jewish boy was not supposed to touch, hunt, kill, or eat any of these types of animals. And these animals included animals like pigs, lizards, and if by chance he did, he'd be deemed unclean. But this is what he hears next in his dream. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. <laughs> okay, this goes against his upbringing, his family, his customs, and most importantly, this goes against what he believed God wanted for him. It goes against his scriptures. So Peter gives the answer that he was taught to give, which is, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Okay, so get this. The question is, Peter, why are these animals impure and unclean? Well, uh, Lord, you told me that they were impure and unclean. I mean, do you want me to cite the passage in the Old Testament that tells me that I'm not supposed to touch or eat these animals? But the vision continues. The voice says, do not call anything impure that God had made clean. Meaning it wasn't clean in the past, but now, post-resurrection, God has now declared them clean. And in case Peter thought he was mishearing God, the author tells us that this was repeated three times because, you know, Peter seems to have a history of finally getting it on the third time around. So what an odd and obscure vision. Now, Peter wakes up from his dream, and as soon as he opens his eyes, the Spirit of God speaks to him. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter answers the door and finds three men, three men who work for Cornelius. And these men want Peter to travel up to Caesarea to meet the whole household and tell them about what God's been teaching him. So the very next day, Peter and some of his Christian buddies, they go and travel to Cornelius' home. And I could just imagine they're standing right in front of his house. And they're thinking, this, this house belongs to a Gentile. I mean, just imagine what was running through his mind at that time. They're thinking about all the rules that they've been brought up on that they're about to violate. And he's thinking about his mom and his dad that taught him daily that it's not okay to go into a Gentile's home. And he's thinking about the Gentile cooties that he might get by going in there. And he's probably also thinking about how they're going to be labeled as heretics for what they're about to do. Then, as if it was in slow motion, he placed both feet into Cornelius' home and guess what happened? Well, both sides, they start to act really, really weird. They both do things that are culturally inappropriate for the other side. I mean, come on, I mean, we got to cut him some slack, right? Because people from opposing sides of the spectrum have never been in this situation before. So this is what Cornelius does. Cornelius is a high-ranking Roman officer. He runs to Peter and falls on his knees to show him respect. And that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to honor him. But in Peter's culture, 
Somebody kneeling down implies that the other person is God, and Peter is clearly not God. I mean, what Cornelius does here is highly offensive in Peter's culture. So Peter, he's like, no, 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 I'm not God. Please stand up. Please stand up. I mean, they're already off to a weird start, right? And so Peter decides to say a few words, but what he says next isn't any better than what Cornelius just did. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Okay, let's break down what he just said here. Peter says first, as you know, I'm not supposed to hang out with people like you. And we're talking to a high-ranking officer. I mean, I know that Peter means well. The point he's trying to make here is that this is a historical day where Gentile and Jew are now together. But from the Roman perspective, what Peter just said is, as you guys know, we're too good to hang out with people like you. I mean, Peter basically says... Until yesterday, I thought you guys were filthy animals, but today, you guys are good people. So what Cornelius does for Peter is offensive to Peter, and what Peter says to Cornelius' household is offensive to Romans. I mean, this is a crucial moment in history, and it begins with unintentional offenses being hurled at each other. But as we should come to expect from the church, love prevails. Now, I have to imagine that at this point, there's some tension in the air. So Peter's like, hey, uh, I guess I was invited here to tell you guys what God's been teaching me. So listen to this. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God, he is no longer exclusively Israel's. He has no favorites. He loves all people. Now, let's take a moment here to appreciate what he just said. What Peter just said is heretical in the eyes of the Jews of his time. He probably looked at Cornelius and said, Hey, you know us Jews. This isn't how we roll. You know, I was brought up to believe that we were better than you guys. We had Bible studies in our echo chambers that reinforced this belief. But now, because of Jesus, we believe that we were all reading it wrong. Then at this point, Peter starts to tell the story of his experience with Jesus, a story that took place about 13 years ago. He tells them about how Jesus taught love and did good wherever he went. And he went to places where Jews lived, but he also went to places where non-Jews lived. And he brought glimpses of heaven on earth to both sides. He created ripples of the kingdom of God everywhere. And then he was murdered on the cross. Then he was buried, and then three days later, Jesus was resurrected, and he changed everything that we know about who God is. Then to conclude his talk, Peter says this, All prophets, which is another way of saying the Old Testament, the Old Testament testify about him that everyone who believes in him, not just the Jews, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter is basically saying, hey, after his resurrection, we went through the Old Testament again, and then we realized what it was really saying, it was saying that God is for everyone, not just us. And this is the point where something really, really crazy happens. Now, if you've been with us from the very beginning of the book of Acts, there was a weird story in the second chapter where the Holy Spirit came upon the Jewish followers of Jesus, and they all started speaking in different languages. Okay, well, check this out. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those are the Jewish followers of Jesus who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. What they saw happen to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 is now happening to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, in Acts chapter 10. So they looked at this and said, guys, this is evidence that God sees no difference between Jews and Gentiles. So Peter's watching all this happen. Up until yesterday, he had a hard time letting go of his Jewish upbringing. I mean, his Jewish roots were safe, it was predictable, and even the theology was acceptable by many people. But then, 
God told him and then showed him that you can't put God in a box. He's bigger. And as it turns out, God's embrace of humanity reaches wider, way wider than Peter's limited categories. I mean, before yesterday, he believed that certain types of people didn't fit into the kingdom of God. And now he wholeheartedly believes with every bone in his body that all people of every nationality, every socioeconomic status, every variation of political beliefs, uh, people with different dietary customs, people who belong to different occupations, sexuality, gender, age, belief system, that they all should now belong in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is big enough for all to fit in. So now Peter is finally able to let go of his Judaism and go full-heartedly into this movement called the church. And as his first act as realizing this, this is what Peter does. Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they order that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. Peter baptizes them, which is an exclusively Jewish ritual, and then the Gentiles asked him to stay a few more nights with them, which is funny considering how hard it was for him to even walk into a Gentile home just a few minutes ago. This is the day when Peter finally let go of his Judaism and put both feet into the Jesus camp. We'll pick up this story from there next week. Okay, but for this week, let's just dwell on this one question that Peter had to dwell on. What has God been teaching you that you can't or haven't fully embraced? And what do you need to let go of in order to get there? And let me just say, how you wrestle with this question will affect how you create ripples for God. For Peter, the thing that was holding him back was the teachings that he received growing up. God is starting something new right now, and the old things in his life were holding him back. And because of that, for the majority of Peter's life, he had to ignore or even avoid people that God wanted him to meet. So, church, may God continue to reveal to you how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And may you continue to make adjustments in your life to match the vastness of His embrace. And may we all experience heaven together. God bless.